Growing your business is tough, but don't worry, we've got you covered. We interview industry experts on how they've solved their most challenging business problems in SaaS or e-commerce. No fluff, just step-by-step playbooks to help you dominate your market and crush the competition. This is the How We Solve podcast. Here's your host. Hey, it's GQ here, and thanks a lot for tuning in to the How We Solve podcast. Today, I have with me Lisa Popovich, who is the co-founder and chief operating officer at Cardloop. Lisa, welcome to the show. Welcome. Thanks for having me. Well, we're very excited to have you on the show. And, you know, coming from a customer service background, uh, I would love to dive deeper into what Cardloop does. But before we dive into the challenge that Cardloop solves, could you share with us a little bit of what Cardloop does? Sure. So Cardloop is a conversational text marketing platform that helps e-commerce brands drive extra revenue and recover more abandoned carts by texting with shoppers in real time. We have a team of uh, real people that interact with customers through text messages. And I like to describe Carloop as a brand sales and support team in one app. Very cool. And so today we're going to be discussing the problem that actually, I feel like we should go to the backstory to find out how this problem came about. So, okay, if you don't mind, Lisa, if we could do it this way. Let's talk about what's the specific challenge that Cardloop solves. And then what's the backstory? How did Cardloop get started as a result? Yeah, sure. I can actually combine these two questions into one answer. So basically, it all started with one question. And it was like, why are shoppers abandoning their cart? And this was the, the question that my co-founder and I asked ourselves when we used to run our own e-commerce brand. And as an e-commerce marketer, you accept that people are and will continue to abandon their cart. So I would venture that it's part of the business. But it comes with our job title to constantly tweak, iterate, and optimize every step of the funnel. So back when we were building our brand, we were shocked by how much revenue we were losing due to abandoned carts. And we like didn't understand why uh, people are actually abandoning. We didn't know where the problem was. So, yeah, I mean, we couldn't like wrap our, our head around the idea that people were, were literally one step away from making a purchase when suddenly they would just like leave, close their tab and just leave. And yeah, the question kept circling back in our heads and Google Analytics or other tools like Podjar were just not telling us like what we wanted to know. So what we did, we started texting our abandoned shoppers via WhatsApp. So we would manually go and take their phone numbers from our Shopify accounts and just started texting them like very friendly. Hey, notice you looked at this product. Um, curious if I can help you in any way or I could help you complete your order. And yeah, we, we decided to text our abandoned shoppers. And back at the time, I mean, there were little to non-SMS marketing apps. So that's why we used WhatsApp. So the best part was that uh, 90% of them replied and they actually told us like the actual reason why they abandoned and they actually appreciated us reaching out. So they loved that we were very human to them, personal and just trying to help them, not like, you know, pushing that sale. And then we realized that traditional marketing channels were or traditional marketing strategies were not enough anymore. And by sending only emails or just one-way marketing blasts, we were actually missing out on capturing leads. So, yeah, this is like a part of how uh, Cardloop was born, actually. And this is like the, the problem that we're trying to solve is just like connecting friends with their customers on a much more like personal, higher, deeper level and just build that relationship for the long term. And uh, of course, that comes with like driving 
huge ROI and conversion rates and all that stuff. But yeah, the goal is just to build that relationship and increase uh, LTV. Very cool. And so I'm pretty sure listeners would be super curious to find out. I think this would be really helpful for a lot of e-commerce owners as well. What are some of the main reasons that shoppers abandon their carts? Because I think you mentioned that, you know, through this more personal approach where you've built that rapport with a customer, you've built that connection with them, they're now all very open to sharing with you like, hey, Lisa, yeah, because, you know, I, I dropped out because of X, right? So if you can share some of that, some of those secrets, right? What are some of the main reasons shoppers abandon their cards? Yeah, that's a great question. And this is one of the things that we actually do at Carlo. We are enabling merchants to see like the actual reasons, like conversation insights, abandonment insights, to see that, that info in their dashboards and do something about it, adjust their business. So like number one that we've seen so far with our merchants uh, are payment issues. So I would say 60% of abandoned cars would be like due to payment issues. So things like, I don't know, credit cards being declined, not enough payment options available and all these like, you know, frequent issues that, that are happening. And perhaps they just need like, I don't know, someone to tell them, oh, there's also PayPal. Oh, there's also this option. You could try this or try with a different credit card. Or So this is number one. Then we see that people are abandoning due to unexpected fees. So they are, you know, like they see one price, for example, on the product page. And then when they go all the way to checkout, they would see like that price increase by, I don't know, 20, 30%. So that's, that's weird. And they don't like that. And also what we've seen is that people would shop an online, an item online if the shipping is free. And they would be willing actually to pay more for a product if the shipping is free because they care more about the shipping. And also if the return policy like is convenient and it's also to going towards free or just a very like a very low fee. Yeah. Then there's technical issues. So a lot of customers are experiencing things like not being able to add their discount code at checkout or not being able to add it to their cart after they reach uh, the checkout point. So like having a person to actually do that for them, like, hey, stay tight, I'm going to uh, edit your card for you uh, and I'm going to send you an updated link. So that also helps a lot. Then there's high shipping times, which I bet a lot of merchants in 2020 have dealt and also are still dealing with this due to the pandemic and stuff. But like being transparent and being like not making false promises helps a lot because People understand if you like connect with them on a like personal level and you're human and you really explain the situation, maybe offer like something, a discount or something to make up for that inconvenience. Then there were like trust issues. So this happens mostly for first time shoppers and we encourage uh, our merchants to add as many reviews as possible, as many information on the site as possible, add, add your address, add the, add a phone number, add something that makes you look real. And that having, again, having a person to actually walk you through your purchase, your first purchase on a like new store or new brand really, really helps with converting that customer and like actually, yeah, improving that, that trust levels, those trust levels. Then I would say another one that was encountered was the product related information that were not enough on product page or on the website. So shoppers will always have questions especially when it comes to consumer products. 
So what we usually encourage our merchants is that if they are lacking product information on their site or reviews or instant support or just that assistance, they would definitely need to act upon, upon those as soon as possible because they are pretty much losing potential, potential new customers. Yeah. And also another like huge takeaway that I always say is that don't make your shoppers call or visit your website just to get support or information. Make it very easy for them to, to reach out and contact you and get that support. Very, very cool. And in fact, I think one thing, just diving a little bit deeper into the conversational aspect of, of SMS, right? So when, when, you, when you talked about trust issues, you know, shipping issues, just simply having this channel where there's someone else on the other end of the line or the other end of the text message to reply to you, I think, would you say that that increases trust a tremendous, right? It gives that opportunity that people understand, oh, okay, you know, I, I may be a little bit skeptical about buying from this new brand. But just by knowing that there's someone on the other end of the line, I'm like, okay, yeah, if I had issues, I can definitely reach out. Like, I, I feel secure about my purchase. Yeah, definitely. Being there at the right moment makes a huge difference. And also what's very cool about conversational SMS is that merchants can have dedicated local phone numbers assigned to their brand. So when we reach out to a shopper via text, they actually can save that number and add it in their contact list and like write something like, I don't know, Gymshark or, you know, like the name and add it to their contact list. And they can reach out to, to that brand anytime they want because that phone number will be dedicated to that brand. So it can be like a constant communication between shoppers and brands. Very cool. Talking about SMSs, right? So we talked about conversational SMS, and I think the term is either conversational SMS or conversational SMS marketing. So what's the difference between one-off or transactional SMSs versus conversational SMS marketing? How do you differentiate that and what's different there? Yeah. So basically, the one-off SMS or just marketing blast, they are just one-way communication. So the communication is just one way. You send that text and that's it. Uh, even if your shoppers like ask you something or reply to your text, you will not reply because it's one off. It's just a blast. And it's basically sent to a segment and every message, like everyone gets the same message. And I would say it lacks personalization and also a lot of brands. And right now, I think this will change because uh, short, shared short codes have been banned, but a lot of brands are using shared phone numbers and have been using it. So customer or a shopper, and I experienced this myself. So I was receiving from three different brands on the same number, promotional text. So it was very overwhelming because when, if I had a question, like, for example, for one of the brands, something like, I don't know about shipping or product related questions, uh, no one would reply or like they would get like messed up. And I didn't really know anymore. Like, who am I talking to? <laughs> And yeah, it's also, it's that lack of instant support that conversational can provide. So, on, and on the other side, on the conversational side, the communication is always like one-to-one, -one, two-way communication. You get the real-time assistance. You, like, most of the conversational SMS tools are offering dedicated local phone numbers. Again, instant support, and it's basically an ongoing relationship builder. 
Very, very cool. So we talked about how you've mentioned that to just not rely. When it comes to identifying why shoppers are abandoning their carts and, of course, recovering these carts, right? So the first thing is, as you mentioned, to not rely on traditional marketing channels, just those, for example, email or paid ads. And I do agree with emails, especially because there's just so much noise. Like your inbox is like hundreds or like, you know, if you're like a busy entrepreneur, you might have like, or just a busy person in general, you can have like a few hundred. Inbox zero is, is a dream for some people. So, you know, that, that's just kind of like the case. But aside from that, you, you know, you've also mentioned being able to engage and offer a personalized uh, approach to messaging. But I think one thing that people are really tempted to miss out as, as well is that, you know, they're sending out SMSs, they're sending out uh, recovery campaigns, if you will. They tend to forget like, okay, there's just so much, uh, we can call it low-hanging fruit, right? You know, to recover these cards, like versus just having automation. And I think, you know, I, I'm curious to find out like, what has the results been like for you? So, you know, there are a bunch of people that are, obviously a lot of stores are using, well, let's just say Shopify, right? A lot of people are using Attentive, Postscript, et cetera, et cetera. So how does Cart Loop fit into the mix and what kind of ROI can clients expect? Yeah, that's a great question. So like the minimum ROI that you can expect is 5X. But if you look at our case studies, you will see that some of our merchants have reached like 28x ROI, even 30x ROI. And this is just the beginning because they, this is just from the car recovery trigger. So this is not like campaigns or other types of yeah, SMS strategies. So this is just for from recovered cars. And this is like, yeah, in the SMS space, these are like the ROI, the average ROI or the conversion rate, I would say is the average is like 31 to 33%. The reply rate is like incredible. It's up to 60%. And when you think about it on like, if you send emails, the reply rate is like two to 3% because like, even if they reply, no one will get back to you. And yeah, the click-through rate, I believe, is like 20%. So pretty good numbers. And also the open rate is like everyone, I think, already knows that the open rate for SMS is 98% because it's like the most personal channel. Everyone is with their phone in their hand. But like the, the thing that merchants have to actually know is how do they, what should I check them so it's worth them unlocking their phone? So if I understood correctly, like if, if we were to say like a brand today is already using uh, one of the SMS marketing tools, because, you know, typically that's aligned with email marketing tools, like like if we talk about Klaviyo, right? So Card Loop would basically be the human element in that space, right? And they would basically be coming in to attach to alongside whatever campaigns that they already have. And actually, I want to say picking up the slack, but rather they're actually converting better on top of what technologies brands might already have implemented. Yeah, the, I mean, conversational strategies. Yeah, that also involves SMS, definitely converts way better. And I would recommend like implementing conversational strategies, not only via SMS. Like I would definitely encourage my shoppers to reply back via email as well. I mean, even if I'm sending newsletter, I, if I were a merchant, I would enable them to reply. I would even encourage them. But yeah, I mean, Carlos can be used with other automation tools like SMS automation tools. However, we just launched a new feature. I believe two weeks ago, and it's called QA campaigns. So basically, it's similar to the regular SMS campaigns, but they come with a twist because they are conversational. And we uh, let the shopper reply and engage in the same one-to-one conversations with conversations, yeah, with our live experts. So it can basically from a campaign, it can transition to a conversation. So yeah, very very cool. 
So just just to dive in a little bit deeper into the, well, I, I guess this is probably more of like a backstory, right? Because this might be obviously of interest to listeners to figure out maybe they are in the same place right now and they might be thinking of starting their own business. So you mentioned of how the idea for Cartloop came about, right? And it's interesting, I think not a lot of people know that before you start a cart loop, there is a pretty interesting backstory. And you, you weren't always in technology or e-commerce beforehand, right? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I'm actually a school graduate. I started for six years and I graduated in 2019. I can't believe it's been two years already. It's very weird <laughs> how time flies. Yeah, and actually, while I was studying medicine, I started uh, two e-commerce brands as a side gig. And I just learned everything as I days passed and also uh, with the help of my co-founder. E-commerce just hooked me and I remember I was so eager to get back from classes to open my laptop and work on my store. And I just felt that something was missing from that dedication that, I don't know, a med student should have. I wasn't giving like 100%. Of course, I was studying and all those, like took all my exams and stuff like that, but I I felt like I didn't belong in the hospital. I didn't belong there. So yeah, I just got super passionate about e-commerce, online marketing, and also tech. And yeah, this is like the issues that my co-founder and I have been through. Uh, also this one with the abandoned cards and relying on external marketing channels. This was like the push that gave, like that made, made us to, to build our own, our own solution. Very cool. And so this is like, a, I think this is very inspirational because so if you're currently a med student, don't give up, don't give up on your dreams. And if you're not, you're not weird if you want to start your own e-commerce store as well, where you're studying. <laughs> and it just makes me wonder like, wow, how do you juggle med school and running two businesses at the same time? I cannot imagine how many hours you must have like put in there. Yeah, I know. I was an early riser. I used to wake up at, and I still am, but maybe with half an hour later now at around five or six just to study if I had exams. And then when I went back home, I just worked. I'm usually like a very energized person. I get bored if I'm, if I'm like, I don't know, don't have anything to do. So I always find something to do. Yeah, I just loved it because it was like my project. And yeah, I just, I was able to travel on my own and stuff like that. So yeah, I was, I think I was motivated by that. <laughs> Very cool, very cool. Also, so I should probably call you doctor then, if this is the, if that's the case, because you graduated, so you're Dr. Popovich, right? <laughs> yeah, chief, or chief doctor officer at Carloop. <laughs> <laughs> CDO, oh, wow. But that's awesome. They'll be like chief health officer for Cartloop, right? You know, people can come to you if they have any. Yeah. <laughs> and then this diagnosis is, you know, accredited, right? It's like it's a proper one. But what's interesting as well that, that I went, you know, what we were chatting and I, and I found out as well was that prior to kickstarting, I think prior to kickstarting Cart, uh, you and your co-founder were in San Francisco for a while, that you actually traveled there prior to starting Cartloop. And I think that's maybe starting, was that the start of like a different version of Cartloop or is that a completely different SaaS? Yeah, a good question. So when I was on my fifth year at med school, I traveled to San Francisco with, yeah, with Andre and that's when we decided to to start like the first actually the set, the first SaaS company because Carloop is actually a pivot from our first one which was an email marketing app was like a set it and forget it email marketing app just newsletter automation something like that and we wanted to create this one uh, just 
to like solve our own, own problem, which was not relying on external uh, marketing channels such as, you know, paid advertising and uh, stuff like that. And yeah, the first one was relevant. So we were actually working while we were there. We were working every day, of course, trying also to enjoy because it was my first time traveling there. Yeah. And that's when actually the journey started. We actually went to a lot of events and uh, meetups. And this is like that trip really helped us understand even better the the ecosystem and like I don't know it's it was a very motivational trip for us and it really inspired us and yeah to keep building that initial product we stayed like for for a couple of months there and we actually intended to to go back but yeah then Carlos the idea for Carlos came in we just were super focused on launching it and growing it the the past year very cool. Yeah, because like it was it was interesting. Like I think it's only it's only been like one or two years then and you guys have really experienced like tremendous growth. That's truly amazing. That is really, really amazing. And I think like, you know, what's interesting as well, because you know, being in the e-commerce space, like last year was a really was really like a catalyst, right? Wouldn't you say? Because like, you know, I think like I've seen across the board, like different e-commerce technologies and businesses, like, well, some obviously were badly affected by the pandemic, but in so doing, seeing that shift for everything to go digital and online sales, it really boosted a lot of businesses in the e-commerce space. Yeah, yeah, so true. We started, we launched in April, 2020. So just when the pandemic actually started to explode, (laughs) And we didn't really know what to expect because we didn't know, like, how will e-commerce react? Where will, will it go down, up? What will happen? So, but we just kept on doing what we had to do. And yeah, we've seen, like, great progress in the last year. That's why we, in September, we closed our first round and then we won a startup competition. So things are, I mean, have been working very well. And yeah, but the, the work doesn't end i mean this is just the beginning it's quite a ride <laughs> oh for sure for sure i'm really excited to find out what card loop's going to be doing especially for this year as well and obviously the years to come if people have questions about what we've talked about today they're curious about you know recovering more uh, more abandoned cards drug they're curious about forming better relationships with their customers through text messaging and through other channels how can people reach out to you yeah, definitely. They can find me either on Twitter at Lisa Popovich or at, on LinkedIn. Same handle. I'm pretty much every day uh, scrolling a couple of uh, minutes every day. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, will you be organizing any clubhouses in the future? <laughs> any clubhouse events? Oh yeah, that's definitely on my to do. Actually, I wanted to do like to start this week. But I have also a couple more podcasts and an event. So I think, yeah, but definitely. I, I really like Clubhouse. I think it's a very cool channel. And it's also like with the same approach, like connecting people easier. Yeah. So that's, that's cool. Yeah, I've just been lurking in all the different groups in Clubhouse. I would just go in there and listen to different things and not necessarily participate yet. But I can see like there, it's evolving so quickly that uh, my, my business partner, David, actually shot over like a link of like, oh, here's a website where you can build out a Clubhouse bio, like automatically, right? They can just kind of fill in stuff. And there's like so many other things that you can do to, to spin out landing pages, et cetera, et cetera, that's catered to Clubhouse. So I think it's a pretty crazy lead gen and obviously a networking uh, platform for sure. Yeah, definitely. Well, all right. So just two more questions from me, Lisa. So the first one would be, 
Are there any digital resources or books you would recommend for people to check out to get started with conversational marketing rather? Yeah. Oh, with conversational marketing? Or even your business. If, or it could be your, about your business as well, either or. A book that has helped you or something that, would, that left a really a deep impression. So uh, what I'm reading right now, actually listening, listening on Audible, is No Rules Rules. So about really creating that culture within the company. We're growing our team month over month. We're uh, growing more. And I really, like, I feel like I need to dive deeper into this, this subject and to create, like, very nice culture at Carloop. So this is what I'm reading. But this is, like, if you're a founder for SaaS. And also within any company, it applies, I think. And also for merchants, I would definitely recommend building a brand, a story brand from Donald Miller. So that book is basically it talks about how your customer is the king and you're just the guide, like really creating everything, even your website and the entire customer experience, creating it for the customer. So putting him first and thinking about putting yourself in his shoes and all those like strategies on how to actually make an impact on your customer's life and shopping experience. And it's very nice also for positioning yourself as as a, I would say, trusting brand. I love that. Yeah, actually, now that I think about it, I might have actually read that book before because it sounds very familiar. Being the guide and taking the customer on the journey. That, that's a really good book, if I recall correctly. Yeah, it has actually a framework made of seven steps. It's really, it's really, it's really cool. Very nice. Yeah, SB7 framework, yeah. Actually, it said the customer is a hero, not your brand. And companies tend to sell solutions to external problems, not to internal. So you have to dig deeper into the internal problems of your customer. And customers trust a guide who has a plan. And yeah, you just have to push them to take that action because they will not take any action unless they're challenged. So these are like some some of the topics the book talks about. Very, very nice. Very cool. Very cool. And final question would be, is there a personal mission statement that you live by? True question. <laughs> yeah, I think I have one that I, I've i been believing in for a lot of years so far. So it's just you make your own luck because I don't believe that luck just comes to you like that without doing anything. You just have to work for it. And if you do like what you have to do and do the right thing, I believe also luck will, will come. I definitely believe in that. The universe answers when you believe in it enough and you go for it, right? So the universe kind of provides. Yeah. And it's funny, like, I think this is like what a lot of entrepreneurs believe in as well, because you make your, you have to make your own stand. Otherwise, I think like, you know, the, during the down days of your business, you're, you're like, okay, I'm not going <laughs> to proceed, right? Because you're the one who has to, has to cover the future, not, not anyone else. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right, cool. Well, Lisa, it's been awesome catching up with you. Thank you so much for being on the show. I think there's so many interesting information and really useful insights that our listeners will definitely benefit from. So thank you so much, Lisa. Thank you so much. It was so much fun. All right. And thanks a lot for tuning in to the How We Solve podcast. Is your sales team spending too much time researching leads and accounts? We take over all the labor-intensive sales development tasks so your team can focus on building relationships and closing more deals. We don't just build lists. We take a strategic research-based approach to find your team qualified leads every day. Ready to start? Schedule your free consultation at taskdrive.com. That's T-A-S-K-D-R 
T-R-I-V-E dot com. Thanks for listening to the How We Solve podcast. Dominate your market and crush the competition with our step-by-step playbooks. Subscribe right now in your favorite podcast player or visit howwesolve.com.